Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, everybody. Welcome back from the uh, break. And uh, we've got the the fun part of the webinar coming up right now. And of course, um, this is the part that everybody's been waiting for because no one actually wanted to listen to me and Peyton. So, or at least just me. I don't know. <laughs> so, Peyton, you want to introduce uh, our, our keynote speaker, if you will, our, our final hurrah, our guest? Yeah. We have with us uh, a guy who just is an all-around great guy. When I was first uh, getting my book published, Dave was the first guy to say, yeah, I'll look at it and endorse it. And that told me a lot about him. If anybody knows Dave, he is actually one of the big uh, names and ideas behind the Exponential Church Planning Conference. He is the direct, well, he's, you're not the director, you're the founder of the New Thing Network. Um, and uh, Patrick's a director now, isn't he? You got it. And uh, he is an author. He's written a book by the same name, Exponential, and also On the Verge. And Dave, it's an honor to have you, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Peyton. It's good to be here. So, Dave, you are the fastest man in the West. You are one of the fastest church planners I know. You have, uh, on the back of a napkin, as I know you'll tell your story, um, came up with quite an incredible uh, way of multiplying church plants. And uh, we want to have you absolutely knock it out of the park by telling us how we can plant faster than we ever imagined. Because I got to say, when I first read your stuff, I was mind blown. It was the first work I had ever uh, read on multiplication. But I had, on a very small scale, a lot of those principles, I had already begun to see how the Holy Spirit kind of just causes you to let go a little bit of everything. And that's what clearly comes across. So we're going to give you the floor and we're just going to listen to you, man, while you uh, kind of turn on the pipe and let us let us have what you got. All right. I think you want me to kind of share a little bit of our story and then maybe a few of our reproducing principles. And, uh, you know, feel free to jump in or 
at the point in time you start yawning, just cut me off. All right. <laughs> or maybe that's Pete's job. Is that your job? It's like one of these. Like, yeah, I'm the one. It. I'm the one that everyone gets to hate. So sure, you're the one with the hook. Um, I mean, some of it. I mean, the kind of, kind of story. You got to go back. I mean, uh, it was my myself and my brother, and uh, and then a few friends from college. Um, I had just gotten married. Um, John actually, I don't know why I did this as a honeymooner, but he moved in with us, which was probably didn't have any sense. Um, but we all. All of us kind of had this dream of, of, of starting starting a church. We moved back to Chicago, and um, one of the one of the one of the first things we did, and I think this, as we kind of look back, I think some of the things that we learned along the way kind of go, you know, some of the stuff you do, you, you kind of do it almost by accident, and then you look over your shoulder and go, oh my gosh, God really blessed that, and that worked, and then you turn it into a workshop, and then you turn it into a book, and <laughs> and actually just did it by accident the first time. Exactly. Um, one of the things that we did early on before we ever had any. Uh, public worship service or anything like that is all of us went out and we started these these kind of missional groups and I can remember all five of us uh, that made up this kind of this church planning team we would we would literally go to every every everyone else's group just so we had enough people to actually be in a group and um, we would even we would actually you know you go Monday and then Tuesday and and by Wednesday you're you're pretending like this is the first time you've met all week and oh, that's awesome feigning like oh what a brilliant answer that's such great insight and <laughs> it, was, it was you know church planners you do whatever it takes and, you guys were young too right dave oh, I mean, yeah. you were really was, young yes i was i was 25 john was 23 my buddy darren was 20 we were all 21 we were all in our early 20s um you know no money no buildings no sense but i'd say the one thing though well, the one thing that was true about us is all of our i mean our hearts really beat fast it's the way we talk about it to help people find their way back to God. I mean, we were totally, and I think still sold out. That was, that was the thing that just, you know, that's the thing that gets you up in the morning and keeps you up late at night is, you know, seeing people far from God and lives transformed. And, and I, I mean, I, I still love that. But anyway, we, first thing we did, we started these small groups. I remember my first, my first apprentice leader was a guy named Jerry who wasn't even a believer, but his spiritual trajectory was at least taking him towards Jesus. He was interested and uh, and we just started meeting regularly, doing one on ones, and um, and it wasn't long before you know Jerry actually did become a Christ follower. I got a chance to baptize him and stuff. And the one thing we did then was back then is we made sure every one of our groups had an apprentice leader. One of the things I've learned now, we're at a place, and I'll fast forward and then come back again. We're at a place now where yeah, we have a multi site church, we have this whole church planning network, but almost everything, Peyton, that when we talk about how to reproduce macro now. Like with our network, like you're doing with New Breed and stuff, we go back to the principles that we learned micro, yeah, and and apply them that way. And it, and it, to date, maybe we'll learn some things in the future that won't work, but to date, almost all of it's transferable and makes sense. Spans of care, reproducing, apprenticeship, all that kind of stuff. And so what we learned really in that first very first set of small groups are things we still apply today that are movement making kind of principles. And so we've just continued to reproduce these missional groups, missional groups. One of the things I've also learned along the way that as we do coaching with, with the churches that want to go to multi-site or churches that want to start networks, those churches that have an infrastructure of reproducing either groups or missional communities, whatever that smallest mechanism is, whatever it is, when they have that at the core, they're, they have a, they're a lot more likely to be successful reproducing large. We see that over and over and over again. Mm. And, uh, and so we began to, you know, reproduce these, uh, Groups and um, it was probably about 
oh, five or six years into it, one of the guys um, uh, that God kind of brought into my life was in my small group was a guy named Bruno and his buddy Nick. Those two guys were actually real estate developers. Um, Bruno was having a brutal time in his marriage. He actually had gone to a secular counselor to try to figure this out. The secular counselor said, well, maybe you get some kind of spirituality in your life. That'll help. So his buddy Nick was kind of coming to our church sometimes. They're partners in real estate. And they both started coming to my small group just looking for some answers. And um, I'll never forget the night in that group where we were actually going through the Gospel of John. It was Bruno's wife, Judy. She's looking at the Bible. And we're getting the part about Nicodemus. And she says, uh, born again. Looks up. Born again. I think that's, I think that's what hap- what's happening to me. Wow. And, and she was right. And um, we got to, I got to see them both become Christ followers. I see Nick. And his wife and Christ Father got to baptize them. And um, one of the things we've learned kind of along the way about small groups like that, too, is we, we always we treat them like they're Christians until they realize they're not. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the thing that we've all of us are learning, you know, belonging before you believe. So treat them like they're Christians before they realize they're not. Well, one of the things that happened with Nick and Bruno, because they didn't have any real church background, is they, they began to look at this small group that we had. And they said, hey, this experience of community that we have in this group. How could we get that? And the properties were starting across the Midwest, and they had about 26 properties. And, um, and I said, I don't know, but let's figure it out. Well, long story short, they had um, they tried to find a piece of property because we were still meeting in a high school where um, where we could uh, you know maybe have our first facility that kind of thing. Didn't that didn't work? They were developing a property in the next town, about well two towns away, about half hour away. And um, they said, well, what if we just move the whole church down there? I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe that'll work. And then I thought, well, you know, they got 26 properties and I'm a church planner. What if we just started another location down there? And we kind of took, again, some of the principles we learned from small groups. And we took a leader, one leader who was ready, sent him out there. Anybody wanted to go with him. And basically we launched another site. And we ended up being one of the, you know, it's been almost 15 years ago now, one of the first churches to actually go multiple locations because they, and this was God's just total blessing, none of our smarts. Because they were real estate developers, they had some coin, and they actually built a facility, about a $3 million facility, yeah, um, with focus groups from our church. And imagine that. I mean, you're a church planner meeting in a, in a high school, and, and and God dumps that in your lap. How cool is that? Hmm. All I want to know is, do they have a sister? <laughs> um, no. But next time they want to build a community center, I'll send them your way. Thank you, my brother. Yes. And um, so anyway, so – this kind of this vision began to go from, you know, we're reproducing groups, and of course we're reproducing service, small celebration service. Now we're reproducing sites. And um, then what, the next thing that kind of happened is a few years, a few years later, a guy named Dave Rochea, Dave was my youth pastor at the time, loved Dave, loved working with Dave. He, um, he came to me and said, you know what, I think I want to go plant a church. Now, as embarrassing as this is, I mean, we were eight years, eight years in the life of the church. We've never planted a church, hmm. which is I mean, Eve, what do you think about that? I think um, that's not really multiplication. <laughs> no, that sucks. That sucks. If you're really in charge of this show right now, Pete, you'd cut me off. I'm like, what do we got this guy on here for? That's what you'd be doing. Yeah, I know. I, it's, it's really, it's, 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 it, now it's like unfathomably. I mean, I, I, I do. I look back and I'm like, what the heck was I doing? Because, I mean, we got our churches now. I mean, they're, they're starting new churches in the first, you know, year and a half or two years. Yeah. Anyway, so we sucked. But 
So anyway, we're kind of so. Dave well, came l- to let me ask you something, Dave. Was it a mindset change that you guys had? I mean, was it always your intent that you would start multiple churches, or was that just something that changed in your mind as you went? Well, this makes it even worse. No, that was our intention. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I had some no, because like when we started, when we were all in our early twenties, I can remember we all sat in this little restaurant and we laid out our threefold vision for the for our, for the church, and we said, okay, phase one, we're going to be an impact church. We're going to impact our neighborhood, right? We're going to be the kind of church if you pulled it out of there, the neighborhood go like, no, we got to have this church here, right? Then we said in phase two, this is this is before we had anything. We said phase two, we want to be a reproducing church, and then we said phase three, if God would bless it, we want to be a movement. Now I don't know how the heck we thought we were going to get there. <laughs> Yeah. Just yeah. sitting on our butts. But anyway, so yeah, no, we intended to do it, but we didn't. So But I, I, I love that though, Dave, because you? I hate you, it. You now if you would come on and you're like, Man, we're the biz, man, we're the hotness, you know. Um oh Holy Spirit's like, I can't do much with that, you know. You're you're in a place, man, where you're just like, you know what, we had no clue what we were doing. And at some point, man, stuff started popping and happening and I love that, man, because I think those are the kind of stories that the average guy sitting around is going, yeah, I get that. Most of us have been in ministry for some time, right? I guess. I don't know. I like it when I don't suck, okay? I I, I, I hear you, man, but you know what? I planted my first church on accident. I would not be a church planner if I hadn't planted accidentally. Really? Yeah. I wasn't old enough to plant a church. How old were you? Oh, gosh. Uh uh, 32 maybe i think i'm making that up 31 32 oh see then you were you were like a cagey veteran oh yeah imagine Absolutely. people showing up i was 25 my brother john's 23 the other guy's 21 i'm now i think about it, i'm just like stunned i can't believe anybody showed up and stuck around yeah it was like a youth group anyway yeah. So anyway, so we yeah we start so we start going multi so we so we start then we start reproducing sites so anyway yeah, back to Dave Shay so this guy comes to me I want to go plant a church um and truthfully I wasn't really keen on the idea because I I liked him being on my staff and I really mm-hmm. wanted him to be like the pastor for my kids yeah and he was like well I really feel like God's saying we're supposed to go plant this church I said well where he said Denver you know and I was like all right and partly to a kind of I think appease him I said well once you go check it out. And he goes out there, and he's gone for you know not even a week. And when he comes back, uh, I you know we sit down. I said, "How'd it go?" And he says, "You're not going to believe this." I said, "Believe what?" And he said, "Well, I made some awesome connections while I was gone with some people in churches, and I've already raised over a hundred thousand dollars." Wow! And I was I was just kind of like, "Wow, holy crap! You're kidding me! That's yeah. that's unbelievable!" And uh, so it was, it was just clear that God was kind of blessing this thing. God was behind this thing. And so um, we made a decision, uh, this time a good one. We said, okay, you know what? If God's behind this, if God's blessing this, then we need to too. So we got Dave and his wife, Heather, up in front of all the people at at Community, and we said, listen, if if God's blessing this, if God's behind this, then we need to get behind it. And if God's sending them out to Denver, then some of you need to go with them. And uh, we had, this was amazing. Um, We had about 35 folks that said, all right, they sold their homes, moved to Denver, transferred job, schools, got new jobs, and went and helped them start that brand new church. And so then we kind of, because we're a pretty relational culture, we, we just stayed in relationships, started doing things together. And then we started planting, we kind of got into them, got some mojo about this whole thing. And so then we started planting some other churches, you know, like in, like in the Detroit and in New York and Boston. 
and started forming, you know, we'd get together and just talk about it and stuff. And that's when we started calling it new thing. And, um, I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, really, it's, it's been kind of, it's, I don't know if you're like this or not, Peyton or Pete, but I mean, like when you're a kid, you, you know, you had certain dreams. Like I, I always wanted to be a professional basketball player. All right. <laughs> just because I'm, just because I'm five, you know, 10 and a half. And don't What's have, wrong with that, baby? Right. And cause you know, you're like, wow, that's like, people will pay you and to play basketball. But I kind of feel like that now. It's kind of like, I'm, you know, I'm getting to play in the NBA of like church planting. It's like, I'm going yeah. to do all these, you know, hang out with cool people like you and, do all this cool stuff. I know it's just awesome. But anyway, so the whole thing now, I mean, we're at, we're a church, uh, several thousand people. We got 13 locations. We got plans for probably nine more sites in the next six years here in Chicago. We have dreams and we talk about how can we get to 200 locations in Chicago. Um, new thing has more than 150, getting close to 200 sites now reproducing that just a, an incredible Right. Um, I, I just feel really grateful to be a part of the whole thing. Dave, did I hear somewhere that you guys were planning close to one church a week with New Thing? That's probably my brother saying that. Okay. <laughs> is, no, that is it true? No. It's probably, you know, it's pastor math. Oh, okay. probably, yeah. There was probably a window there we were, but we were, we were probably been somewhere around one every 11 days, something like that. You know, something awesome. that looks good on a brochure. But it's, yeah, yeah, but hey, you know, Pastor Matt, it's close to Easter. There was plenty of that going on a few weeks ago. Absolutely. But no, I mean, that part, I mean, if you grafted it out over the last, whatever it's been, uh, new thing's been around seven, eight years, it had, I mean, it, it's, we feel very, very fortunate. And God, God is doing, God is doing some, some kind of, some cool stuff. And so. That's awesome, man. Um, one, one I, of the things, I love your heart. I love the heart that, that new thing has. I mean. I've kind of tracked with you guys for about three years, just kind of checking in. You know, like I said, I read Exponential. I didn't even know what the conference was when I read that book. Yeah. It, it had a great title. And I'm like, okay, church planning books. Boom. I picked one up. And, uh, and I read that. And my favorite, my favorite part of your story is you and the businessman. You're, you're a, you and, uh, was it your brother and a couple of friends are like, Look, we're going to carve Chicago up into four sections, four quarters. And, yeah. and I love this, the, the naivete of youth. And yet, here's the dream this many years later. And it's not far off, right? You guys go, look, we're going to, we're going to, you, you had no clue what you're talking about. You had no clue right. what you're up against. That part's absolutely that, correct. That's the beautiful part about it, right? Because if you had thought too much about it and you knew all the factors, you probably would have said, oh, well, we can't do that. And that's the beauty of it. You're like, we're going to chop this city up into four uh, quadrants and we're going to reach it. And, and and I think, you know, tell me the story because I'm probably butchering it right now. You're no, sitting in a diner across the table from a businessman and he challenges you. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the I mean, the thing there was there was early on when we were all in college together. We did. We actually took a map of Chicago, put it up on the on our dorm wall. I took a big old thick black magic marks and, you know. Eight million people. How hard can this be? <laughs> I, I, made, I made a line north and south, and a line east and west. And I put our initials in each of the quadrants. Said, "Okay, you got that two million. You got that two million. I got that two million. And John, you got that two million. You know, we're done." Um, and so that was kind of the basic dream. And then later on, I was at a, actually a Mexican restaurant here, right in the same town I'm in right now. And uh, that's when, instead of those four quadrants, I just started drawing circles all over the city of Chicago. And it was like I felt like God kind of gave me that. 
and going like, maybe there is a way where, you know, instead of two million in a chunk, what if he was there? You know, got two hundred neighborhoods in Chicago and about two hundred suburbs. I mean, what if there was a way where you begin to think about strategic? How do you get a reproducing church mm-hmm. in every neighborhood and every suburb and start drawing circles and circles and circles? Well, I took that napkin, tucked it into my journal, and the, that was. I think it stayed there for more than three years. Mm. And whenever I'm talking to church planners, I always just challenge them, hey, what's the dream God's put in you? What's the dream? Yeah. Amen. Because um, I think a lot of a lot of us, we got we do have big dreams inside us, but they get tucked away like that. Yeah. And like you were referring to, thank goodness for a guy named Larry, who again, Larry was not a guy who was a believer, it was a guy who I was hoping to see him find his way back to God. He was coming to community some. We had this kind of affinity. He was an entrepreneur and I like starting new things. And we were having breakfast and he was the guy who asked me, said, Hey, What's the dream? If you could do anything, what would you do? And, and actually, he had to ask me two or three times where I finally had the courage to kind of reach in my journal, pull out that napkin, and go, you know what, Larry, if I could do anything, and I showed him the napkin with all the circles all over Chicago, I'd do this. Mm. And it's the, it's the craziest thing, but he just looked across the table and he goes like, oh, Dave, you can do that. You can totally do that. Love it. <laughs> I know. And, and it was like, it was, it was the weirdest thing. It was just like he reached inside. There was like a, an on off switch. He just like all of a sudden something that was impossible suddenly just like flipped the switch on and it became possible. And, um, but you guys have had this experience too. I mean, I think as you get, as you've been around a little more and maybe you have a little bit of success, you get a chance to speak in other people's lives. I love it when I get to sit across from church planners and hear their dream and then to be the guy to go like, dude, you know, or maybe it's a woman too. Like, I'm telling you, you can totally do this. Yeah. You can do it. And you can just see their light, their, their eyes light up and go like, really? <laughs> really? You seriously think? Oh, man, I'm telling you, you can do it. And It's uh, like and Shark I, Tank, isn't it? You know, it it's is. like Shark Tank. When you it see is. the sharks get excited, you know, you know, those are the big wigs. So, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it would be an opposite experience. You're like, mm, no, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> Dave Ferguson told me my dream wouldn't work. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do sometime. I'm going to pull that one. So, you know. Everybody else, yes, but you, not so much. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. You got to have a plant. You got to have a plant just to scare him. You know, in the old cop movies, they'd have a guy and they'd rough him up and throw him down the hallway, and he was another cop. You got to <laughs> do that. You got to have a, a plant that you can just abuse. But that 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 well, I mean, that was that was definitely, without a doubt, a pivotal point in my journey. And uh, I've even I've come to the point where I think, um, as a leader. You've been able to see that in the people that are following you, whether you're leading a, a church planning network or whether you're leading a, a church or a small group, you believing that, a, that, that God has something inside you that he meant for you to do that contributes to the mission. And you also believing that for other people, that is, that is the mechanism for movement. Yeah. And I think, it, I think it's also consistent with the Reformation. It's just the priesthood of all believers that all of us are supposed to play a part in this whole thing. And, um, it was huge. That was huge for me. That was definitely a moment, and I've seen that happen with other. I, I remember sitting across the table from a guy named Dave Dumb, but I don't. Do you know Dave? Yeah. Okay, oh, Dave, actually, no, I I don't know him. Sorry. He's a guy who he's a New Thing Church. He's up in the Detroit area. He's probably what seven years into it. Probably it's a huge church now. I don't know what three or four thousand people. Uh, a couple sides planting churches, but I remember he walked. He came to our cafe. He'd been leading the college ministry. He was trying to figure out what to do next, and he was one of those guys where you, you could. I mean, it's one of those kind of like a no-brainer going like, oh, my gosh, this guy's totally got it. But he just needed someone to tell him. And I remember just going like, oh, man, you can totally – in fact, you don't, you don't know how good you're going to be yet. Hmm. And he's killing it. 
And it's just, it's fun to see those kind of things happen. Yeah. Yeah. We have one of those. We have one of those. We were just uh, doing a podcast earlier today. We were talking about how it, it's like he's taken everything from multiplication and he, he's just spewing it out as if it's original. It's the first time it's ever been said and he gets it, but it's hardwired into him. It's that's just awesome. who he is. It's who God's made him. It's that apostolic calling. That's cool. So, that's awesome, man. So, um, so what, you know, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to, um, we should probably let you talk a few more minutes. Yeah. I don't want to cut you <laughs> off, but I'm so excited to ask you some questions. You, you want to go into question or if you want, I, I can give them one reproducing tool here. You yeah. want to do that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's where I was we get going, to hear man. Peyton enough. Ah, Pete's getting you don't bored. Hear me, man. That Pete's getting bored. I can feel it. I almost got the hook. <laughs> no, no. Peyton gets yeah, the hook. You almost said enough. I can feel it. All right, here we go. Pete, will you stop abusing our guest? Yeah. All right, so for your church planners, one of the things I think that Peyton's kind of alluded to, maybe you picked it up on Exponential, I think one of the things that's fundamentally true um, about movements is that in order for them to be movements, the, 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 the systems, everything about it needs to be simple and reproducible, simple and reproducible. If it's simple and reproducible, then it can go viral, then it, then it can multiply quickly, that kind of stuff. And so one of the values that we've kind of had is um, – how do you make it things simple enough? And this doesn't mean watered down at all. It doesn't mean you're not challenging people, but how do you make it simple enough you can write it on the back of a napkin? Mm-hmm. And um, so here, here you go. Here is <laughs> I love it. I'll just kind of walk people through this one here. So one of the things we have, and it's actually in our book Exponential too. This is just our leadership path, and you and some of your people may be seeing this, but I can give you a couple of stories to, to kind of back it up. And and this has been, I think, crucial for us. In, at uh, at at community, but also at New Thing, and how we've kind of given, particularly apostolic leaders, kind of a vision for their future. Um, so, for example, um, I'll start with one at community first. Um, a guy named John. A guy named John. He started coming to community. He was you, just by God's grace, he was kind of a big dog leader. You could just see it all over him. Um, and started coming, and basically he found me and said, "Hey, I, I would love to figure out how can I have a." bigger influence in the life of community. I remember, so we went out to Panera, had lunch together, and basically over the course of about a half an hour, I was able to sketch out for him saying, hey, here's a leadership path. Here's how you can continue to in, expand your influence, maybe probably over the next decade or more, if you decide to. And it really just gave him this vision. So I just said, you know, John, right now, um, you're an individual. And I think uh, you're not really plugged into the church yet, but if you'll take the next step, I'd love to see, and the next step was to become an apprentice. I lead a small group that's on mission. If you want to join my group, I would love to have you be my apprentice. And by being my apprentice, I would begin to invest in you. We'd meet every week. And um, and then he, over time, you'd move from being an apprentice to being a leader. Well, when would I know I'm a leader? You, you, you know, when does that happen? It's basic, John. Here's the way it works. When you think you're ready and I think you're ready, you're ready. Hmm. And we'll move you into a leadership role. And basically what you'll do is either you'll take over my group that I have now, or you can go start a brand new group, either way, whichever one you want. I said, and then actually, John, one of the things that, that I see in you, and, and we talk about that at Community too, we say the four most important letters in the alphabet are I, C, N, U. I, C, N, U. And I said, one of the things I see in you, John, is, I mean, you have the ability to move way beyond that, because if you'll then take another person alongside you and do what I did with you, apprentice them, you can move into a role being a coach. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to coach those people, You'll help them reproduce. And, you know, John, if you're serious about continuing to expand your impact, you could move from being a coach to actually a director where you come on staff. 
And I could, I could, I could see you leading a whole, I mean, a whole ministry for us. Now, his actually John's occupation. He was a, he was a motivational speaker. Had his own business. Um, spoke all over the country in front of large groups. So he's a gifted communicator in addition to being a good leader. And, I, and so it was easy for me to say, you know what? With the kind of gifts God gave you, I could see you being a campus pastor or a church planner. Right. And, and John is probably the most relational guy, one of the most relationally savvy guys. I knew. really sharp. And I said, you know, and as, if you wanted to plant a church in time, I would love to see you do that, get behind you, helping you do that. You can help other people do the same thing, and you can become a network leader. And I mean, so, I mean, in about a half an hour, I was able to lay on the back of napkin, you know, individual, apprentice, leader, coach, director, you know, church planner or campus pastor, network leader, and, you know, kind of lay out the whole thing right in front of him. And, and over the, you know, over the last, oh, I don't know, 15 years or so at community, we've seen, I mean, score, it's not just an example like you use in a book, I mean, but scores of people. Uh, Troy McMahon, Troy's a buddy of mine. Troy, I remember when he was my apprentice leader, where he was working at General Mills. I mean, I've seen him now go all through this path over the last 15 years. Now he's actually leading a movement about 15 churches in Kansas City that has multiple networks. Wow. He planted a church, got about a thousand people in three locations. He's just killing it. Hmm. And I'm so, I mean, I'm just so proud of that guy moving through this whole path. Yeah. Um, how, I mean, how long, Dave, does it take for the average person to go from individual all the way up to where uh, your buddy is? I. <laughs> I mean, I think some. I think part of it depends on what your leadership capacity is. I don't think everybody has the capacity like Troy. So that's why it makes a great story to be a network leader. Some people only have the capacity maybe to be a coach or be a you know missional leader, group leader. But I think for some, but like for Troy, I think for him, and he was on kind of on the fast track. I think it was about eight, eight or nine years from the time he was, the time he was um, my apprentice in my small group, the time he actually uh, became a campus pastor, right, and then eventually a church planner, and then. A network leader, but that was so the network leader part that was probably 11 12 years into it. But awesome. what's kind of cool about this though, too, even as a tool, is I can remember even conversations like with a young leader at Exponential, uh, who uh, you know they, they know they want to plan a reproducing church, they know they want to do something that kind of big for the kingdom. As you articulate this, you can see their eyes kind of light up because. This this kind of it, it kind of puts on paper going like yeah that's it that's the thing that's what I want to do that's it that's it how did you know and they haven't been able to, maybe they haven't had the experience to like actually map out the steps to get there but it's like wow someone showed them a map of how to do this big thing that they've been wanting to do for the kingdom hmm. and you know that's that's that was that's one of you know half dozen or more kind of re- simple reproducing tools that we use that has been just been terrific it's hot. Absolutely hot. And, and what, what I love about it is that, um, like you said, it's simple and yep. it's reproducible. I love the fact you put it on a napkin. Did you do that for us? I did that for you. I was at Starbucks. That's awesome. You know, Ray Chang. Yeah. 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 Actually, Ray was in Chicago today. He's uh, teaching up at Trinity. We're talking about how hey, hey. new regenerate deal can partner with new thing and how we start doing some church planning together. And so after I got done, I said, okay, I'm, I'm talking to Peyton tonight, so I better get my Starbucks. Starbucks napkin out there, and <laughs> I actually thought that was a marketing piece that you had printed on napkins. I didn't realize I, you actually I put that on thinking, Starbucks. I've been hanging out with Pete too long because I've been thinking, "Wow, that's awesome!" They actually have it on napkins. And I thought, "No, that actually looks handwritten." We actually have it on napkins because I wrote it this afternoon on a napkin. You're awesome, dude. I love that. As Rod Tidwell said, "That's what I totally dig about you, man." 
So here's here's the deal is that uh, it's simple and it's reproducible. I mean, that is like as I look at what I do, right, the, the biggest barrier to reproduction from where I'm standing and my limited knowledge of this is people. If I'm not training people to train people, then it's not going to happen. And that's that's what I mean, I could take that napkin and boom and sew that vision into every single person that yep. gets saved. I mean, every single person that gets saved. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's beautiful about that. Yeah. And I mean, we could talk about, I mean, if you want to, I mean, we could talk about the five steps that we use with you from the back of a napkin. We could talk about the six coaching questions you put on the back of a napkin. We can talk about our blessed practices, B-L-E-S-S, that are missional practices put on the back of a napkin. We can talk about our self-leadership practices that are the RPMs, relational, physical, spiritual, mental, or, you know, that I use every day from the back of a napkin, all that kind of stuff. I love it. So, so when you're meeting with guys, do you literally like, do you take a napkin out and you just write it on the back? Yeah. That's awesome, dude. I love that. That's so cool. That's not really that cool. This Martin final, he's got like a big package, industrial restaurant size of nap. I'm going to need some of these today, honey. I'm leaving. He's got the fanny pack. He's got them in a fanny pack on his waist. I love it, man. No, but that's so cool though. I love it. And then you just hand him the napkin. Oh yeah. Actually, and I got. I know I'm getting hung up on the napkin, but you gotta understand. You know what, though? I mean, it's kind of obnoxious because, like, <laughs> everything I like here. Like, when I was out with my son the other day. He's he's in he's in college, and he's trying to figure out what he wants to do next. You know. So here's here's a napkin. I I just hung on to it. Here's his whole future. <laughs> For like Christmas and your birthday, like people were getting you like, Dad. You know, here's here's a notebook, Dad. Here's a notebook, you know. <laughs> yeah, they make fun of me now, so that's okay. No, I dig it, man. You know, because uh, that's just cool. That's real. I'm into Batman, so that's like your battering, dude. That's like your thing, you there know. I dig it. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what you're talking about there, your um, your six leadership steps, the five principles, all that. I'm interested in all that. I know we have limited time with you, but um, whatever you want to share about that, I, I I think people need to hear this because it's cool, man. Um, you want me to give you another one? Yeah. All right. Here's one more. Cool, Pete, are you giving him the hook yet? This is cool, huh? No way. I'm not giving him the hook. I give you the hook. I was going to say, this is this is rock and roll, Dave. It's hypnotized. All right. Here you go. Here's another one. This is, uh, this, this, this was, this is what I'll call this. This is just kind of self-leadership stuff. I think, you know, fundamentally, if you're going to be a reproducing church, right, reproducing movements, all that kind of stuff, I think at the core, you end up reproducing who you are. Right. And so, I mean, it, and so some of it has to start with you. And so one of the things that I've really tried to get be more disciplined about, especially in the last few years, is, okay, who am I? Because I know that's going to rub off on other folks and that's what we're going to reproduce. You know, so one of the things you look at Luke, Luke 252, where it talks about, it's kind of the, it kind of maybe, this might be a little bit of an exegetical stretch, but a little bit of a stretch, but if there was any indication of Jesus' own kind of leadership development, maybe that's it, that he grew in wisdom, stature, in favor with God and man. And basically, we kind of took those and said, okay, if, uh, if you want to break those down, you can call those the RPMs, relational, physical, spiritual, and mental. So let's see where we go. There you go. That, that's kind of how I put it on the back of my napkin when I'm explaining it. Hmm. But one of the things that I've done is, like, for me, this, this just works for me. Oh, there you go. Here you go. Here's your. Here's my other napkin. My journal. There's the Chicago napkin you wanted to see. That's awesome. It's right not on. the real one. I made that up. It's fake. 
it's in it's in the uh, community church gift shop, right? At the when you come out, he does not have a gift shop. Don't <laughs> <laughs> have a bookstore either. <laughs> Coffee bar. Okay, here we go. This is going to look bad, but I'm going to do it anyway because you guys seem to give me brownie points for sucking. So here, here's where I suck some. Oh, money. this is great. This is cool, man. The little things I do every day, and this will give you a little bit of insight into what's both good and bad about me. So at the top of my journal, I always, I like, I like actually do this every day. RPMS, and so I write it out. And it, what's great about it is then I actually ask myself, okay, how am I doing in each of these areas of my life? How am I doing relationally? And so how am I doing in relationally means like how am I doing with my kids? And, and one of the values I've had along mm-hmm. for a long time is I, um, each of my kids as they're growing up and still do this, um, I take them out for breakfast one day a week. And I can could, I could tell you stories about that, but that's just been – That's hot. It was, it's one of those things, again, I accidentally did right when my daughter started first grade, I was going to all day first grade. And I did it all the way through, and it's awesome. Um, I coach my kids' teams, and I this is the first year my, my none of them played baseball. And I'm like, I drove by a baseball field yesterday. I almost just stopped just to watch the game because um, I love that. I love coaching the kids' teams and stuff. But um, but anything with the family, especially, how am I doing relationally? And I give myself I actually give myself a score here between <laughs> one and ten. And I score. I notice you have a you have ten on all of them right now. Well, no, actually, I got an eight point seven five. I'm killing it relationally. Look, I'm killing it. Right on. And and then I also I'll put a like a stock index. I'll give myself even an arrow to go up or down to tell me how I'm trending. I love it, man. This is great. Yeah. Well, here's what's really bad in a second, but so then the physical part. So then the P is for physical because I also think I think you got to be I mean a good steward of your body too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you think about some of the leaders that you really, I, I look up to too. I mean, a lot of them are also they're taking great care of their body because yeah, you, know, you can't stay up at you know this time at night and do pod, you know, these kind of webinars with you if you're not in great shape. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's I think that's a really important one. It is. Um, it, was, it was pretty funny. Was it last year at Exponential? I think it was last year at Exponential East. Uh, I think Wayne Cordero was there and uh, Wayne, you know, he's a little older than, than us. Um, but he's in great shape, just great yeah. shape. And, you know, and he, he was filling out his shirt and I remember I came after I did an interview or something with him or I'd introduced him or something. I came back down and sat next to my wife and Sue's elbow me and goes like, my wife, Sue, what's up with Wayne? <laughs> and then she says, maybe you ought to start lifting. You know, like, nice. <laughs> But I, but I, I, remember, said. I went out, I remember I went out to Hawaii. This has been several years ago now and did one of those, uh, kind of follow Wayne around. And the dude does, I mean, that's part of his routine is exercising. And I agree with you 100%. And so anyway, that's another one. Then the third one is mental. And that, and that's about like, I always want to know, okay, am I, am I staying on top of current events? Am I reading books? Am I stretching myself mentally? Um, you know, leaders or learners, that kind of thing. And I give myself yeah. a score again there. And then the last one is spiritually. You know, how am I doing spiritually? How am I doing with my disciplines like journaling and connecting with God, that kind of stuff? And, um, and so I, I do that. One of the things that I think is good about this, the RPMs, is by doing these every day like that as a part of your journaling or part of your quiet time or your devotion, whatever you call it. I feel like, and I don't know, maybe only time will tell for sure, but I kind of feel like I'm not going to suddenly find myself in a ditch. 
Because mm. mm. it's kind of like every day I'm asking myself these questions. And so I have to be lying to myself in a big, bold way because I know how I'm trending in all these things. And if you look at mine right now, like physically, I'm, it's, it's by far the lowest one. And part of it is, you know, I ran a half marathon last November, but my running, which is primarily what I do to kind of stay on top of things, yeah. it's yeah. been lame. I mean, totally lame. Um, and I know it's just partly because of the schedule I've been keeping. Yeah. And so I, know, I, you know, and it says right now, I got a two, I got a two on this. You know, I said my relational is 8.75, my physical is a 2.0. So, it, mm. you know, it's going like, dude, flashing red light, you better do something. Yeah. And um, but anyway, this is, this has been really helpful to me. That kind of a self-leadership tool. And that's awesome. Of course, you can put it on the back of my napkin. Yeah. You know, I'm just happy you actually have paper. I, I was actually wondering if you had paper where you were at. <laughs> well, hey, we save a lot of money by borrowing napkins from restaurants. From going to all the Italian places in Chicago. That's what it is. Absolutely. So, dub bears and dub bulls? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> love the bears. I had to. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Love the Bears. I'm I'm liking the defensive picks that we've uh, we got in the draft here. There's a, um, I think that's going to help us a lot. Um, the Bulls. Love the Bulls. I was very disappointed with what happened with the Wizards in the playoffs. Totally bummed me out. Um, I think the problem with the Bulls is I think they play playoff intensity basketball during the regular season, and so when they get the regular season, everybody else takes up a notch. They got nowhere to go. Mm. <laughs> Now, let's talk about the Cubs and the White Sox. <laughs> I, I take this. Get Dave I, talking about baseball. I hate the Cubs. <laughs> well, my brother's a huge Cub fan, but I hate the Cubs. The White well, Sox, we're, you know, we're almost 500 this year. Jose Abreu's out. Chris Sale's pitching tonight against the Yankees. I'm missing it because I'm with you guys. No. That'll be good. Well, um, oh, man. back back to the subject at hand. I know the the oh. sports is a lot more interesting. <laughs> there he goes. There's the hook, Dave. There's there, the there hook. is the hook. No, but that's it's the hook because I'm curious about something that you talked about um, specifically. What I'd like to know is what does it look like for you when you take your kids to breakfast every week? And the reason why I ask that, I mean, our listeners know that. Like, I just had a son two and a half years ago. He's almost three. So awesome. I'm, I, you know, and I, I'm not. I, I didn't think I was going to have any kids. I mean, truth be told, I was hoping I wasn't going to have any kids. But <laughs> my wife had other plans, and so, you know, here I am, right? Oh, hello. And uh, and, and that, I mean, it, it concerns me the most in raising a kid because, um, you know, I love my family, but I, I'm not close with my family at all. In fact, I, you know, rarely um, – we, we talk on birthdays and holidays. Like, that's the kind of relationship that he, I've got. He, he means his mom and his dad, not his wife and son. Yeah, I just want to clarify. Okay. Yes. Yes. Thanks for that. <laughs> I barely consider myself as in a family, right? Because it's like you know, it was me and my wife for you know twelve years by ourselves. So anyway, but so tell me, what does that look like? I mean, and how are you balancing work and family? And how have you balanced work and family over all the years? Yeah. Um, well, I think the way it looks is like I would say if, if my advice to you. Is like so when your kid goes to kindergarten or starts in first grade, just ask them, you know, what's their favorite place? Probably Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, my little dudes, they love Dunkin' Donuts, and so we did Dunkin' Donuts for a lot of time. And basically, you just you you go and you order a cup of coffee and a donut, and they get a chocolate milk and a donut, 
and you sit there and you talk about sports, you talk about school, you talk about whatever, and you kind of develop this routine. And here's the thing too, and I'll be honest, with you, I don't remember with any of them, and I'm still, I still, I still got one at home. It was a sophomore in high school. I don't remember with any of them ever having this like life-changing, eternity-altering, you know, conversation where like, oh man, that was so, so awesome. I don't remember any of them like that. Hmm. But I think what does, I think what happens is I think over the course of all those years, I mean, you end up talking about all kinds of stuff, you know, all kinds, everything virtually. Mm -hmm. And, but you're also, you build a relationship. And I think that's how relationships get built, just kind of one conversation at a time. And so I think what it does, there's, then there's always the open door so that um, when stuff is going, we are going through a tough time. Right. Um, so it was, kind of, it was like even today, it was kind of cool. So my, my daughter is the oldest one. She's 23, just graduated from, got her master's. She's a social worker. After I got to meet with Ray Chang over at Starbucks and writing on the napkins, she called me and then she just stopped by. And so here we are again, you know, she's 20 and we're hanging out at Starbucks, which is where we awesome. got when she was in high school. Yeah. Um, so I would say, don't put pressure on yourself to like make anything significant happen. It's just like you're two dudes hanging out, having a good time, you know, and that's one of, that's one of the things I love about coaching too. Cause it was, it became that, um, it became just one of those places where I got to, you know, be a part of their life. And I, I loved it, but I would say this too. I, I think, I I think one of the great things about church planning, I think, is when you come in, you get to establish the culture and you also get mm-hmm. to establish the rhythms and routines that happen in the life mm-hmm. of that church. And so if you like for us at community and for me, I have I, I don't think this is going to be a stretch. I've I don't think I've ever had any meetings that were consistently would consistently meet on weeknights. So I have, I'm, I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a group and we we're, we're, we connect on Wednesday nights, but I don't have any meetings during the night that night. So I'm always home for dinner and then after. And part of that's just how we start. Now I would I cheat on the front end. I won't I won't lie to you. I mean I get up at five in the morning, you know that kind of stuff. So I'll crank it on on that end, but but not yeah. on the evening. And so I would, as a church planner, establish the culture, establish the rhythms, but then make it work. So you can so you can coach your kids' teams, make it work. Amen. So you can take your kid to breakfast and make everybody else work around it. I had somebody this last week. I don't know. They were mad about something, and and they sent me an email and said, "Hey, we've all there was like four of them. We'd all cleared our schedule, and so we can meet with you at three thirty on Friday." And I was nice about it. But I said, "I I I can't meet with you at three thirty on Friday." Well, we've all cleared our schedule. Came the email back. Well, I can't. And you know why? I couldn't because my other son who was, he runs track in college. He, he had a meet actually in our hometown here and he was going to be home. And it was the first time he'd been home in a couple of months. You know, no, I'm not. Yeah. No, that, that doesn't work. Nah, that's right. I don't care that's how right. important or how mad you are. Um, so anyway, so, and if you also think of anything kingdom wise, probably the best discipling, the best apprenticing you'll ever do is going to be with your kids. Amen. I mean, you get that right. Oh man. I mean, soon I talk about this way. I'll shut up because I feel like I'm rambling now. My wife and I talk about it this way. You know, if, it's not completely true, but it's a true enough that we say it this way. If you blow it at home, you've blown it. Absolutely. And I think God can redeem it. You know, if you go through a divorce, all that kind of, any kind of script, he can redeem it. But I don't want him to have to in that place. 
So like I really, I really want to make sure I try to give my very best shot and get it right at home. And, um, that's well said, man. Really well said. Yeah, no, that, that's the stuff, man, what you're talking about right there. And, and I think what you're saying is, um, you know, much like what Paul says, if you lead your family well, I mean, that is where it's at. That's where it starts, man. And, and people pay lip service to it, but you've actually got things in place to make sure that happens. It's been kind of cool too. I mean, where, and I'll, I'll use social media too, where I'll intentionally, you know, I'll take a, take a picture of Caleb eating his long john at Dunkin' Donuts, you know, on a Thursday morning or Friday morning. Hey, I'm out of Dunkin' Donuts with Caleb. And you kind of put it out there. Yeah. And part of that is it also, you out now have other, you know, dads come and say, Hey, you know what? I've started doing this breakfast thing. And that's not, and it may be something else that works for you. It may not be the breakfast thing, but. Dude, I'm going to donuts tomorrow. I'm just telling you, we're we're out to donuts tomorrow. It's happening. <laughs> I'm I'm not even joking. Like I'm really taking my daughter to donuts tomorrow. That's awesome. We did we did start. I I do have to be honest. What what we have started doing is um, ninja fighting. Ninja I went to fighting. How does yeah, this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have like like Nerf foam katanas and like bow staffs. And so we just beat on each other with them. She's five. I win. (laughs) (laughs) She's five. I win. We actually have to have a rule in the house right now where she has to say ninja engage. Uh, And mommy made that rule up because she was doing like flying karate kicks, like out of the blue. And I, and we got a baby, you know, so I'm holding the baby and, Oh man, I'm telling you, but uh, but it is really bonding. But I think I'm going to do the donut thing too. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. You'll love it. Oh man, that that's great. That is really really sage advice, man. I appreciate that. So uh, just going back to the whole reproducing thing, because yes. I think even what you're saying right there, you built really a discipleship culture even within your home. Like that that's that's the takeaway I'm getting. If I'm just stringing everything together. Um, it started in your home. Um, you know, maybe in a, in a future date, maybe we'll get you on the podcast. I'd love to hear how you and your wife do ministry together. Maybe get her on as well. Oh, there and, you go. Um, yeah. And, and just see, cause you guys are veterans, man. You've, you've done the tag team thing. You know that Pete, you know what that was? He just called me old, didn't he? <laughs> That's what it was. Well, it was a nice I way like, to put it. I, you know, I liked how earlier when you said, you know, cause you know, Wayne's older than us. And I just, you know, I noticed you included me within that whole, you know, age bracket. Yeah, I thought we were going to greater than you. Actually, I see, what, I see how this works. What cracks me up, though, Dave, is like, I know that you're older than me, but you look younger than me. What's your secret? Oil of Olay. <laughs> what are you doing, girlfriend? Because I'm telling you, your skin is beautiful. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts. That's the secret. <laughs> There's enough oils in one Dunkin' Donut to hydrate me for a week. That's right. Lots of donuts. But but going back to reproducing culture, and I I know we got to let you go in a few minutes here. Um, What, how do you, because what I'm getting from you is that um, your napkin, you can take that with any guy and, and you give him that napkin. You're kind of shaping the DNA. You're shaping uh, like you said, you're setting the tone and the rhythm. Um, you get to create the culture. When you first have a guy who's, who's say, like a church planner, yep. how is he 
going to seed the DNA into what he's doing, into all the people that have come along. Obviously, as you know, from um, church with a church planning launch team or core team, you know that people are coming with a lot of church baggage. How does he take that and start seeding that DNA into uh, this church plant that he's doing so that each one of them realizes that, hey, I can boom, 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 boom. I mean, like you said, no, not everyone has the potential. I get that. Yeah. But you're creating that, that vision within them. How does a church planner from day one start seeding multiplication? I, I think um, two, th- two things come to mind is, and, and one those maybe a little philosophical, and then the second will be a story. Um, I think it's really important that you that your actions um, always reinforce your language, or your or your behaviors always match uh, your words. So that you've got to be, especially early on, if you're saying, you know what, we're going to be about reproducing. I mean, you've got to make sure that your behaviors, your disciplines, the things you're doing, are actually living that out because pretty. Because churches are notorious for kind of saying, "Here's who we are," mm. and but you really don't have to do it. Mm. And that's and that is and so when when your when your actions or when your behaviors don't match your words, then 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 the culture lacks any integrity, and people know they don't have to really live out those values. Yeah. And I think that's I think it's really and most church planters probably who who put some thought into a church plant, they probably established certain values. They just got to figure out, okay, now how do we make sure in almost every day or at least every week our behaviors reinforce those values, and those are consistent. I think that's just critical. Um, one story comes to mind. There's a guy named Doug. Uh, Doug's actually a guy who, if I went back to this napkin again, um, he's followed this whole leadership path. He's actually now uh, one of our directors, but um, he was actually my first my neighbor, a guy who didn't have a lot of church background really at all. Um Kind of really came just because his wife wanted him to, and he thought it might be good for his kids. Um, and um, kind of got tricked into being a part of my group, mostly probably by his wife. But then he kind of started liking it, and we became friends. And um, I remember, uh, you know, I we had no apprentice leader in the group, and so I kind of I totally because I knew I could get away with him. I totally put him on the spot in front of the whole group and asked him to be my apprentice leader. And basically, he got kind of manipulated into doing it. Yeah, and so he became my apprentice leader. And um, I remember our first time we got together, he was like, okay, so if I'm your apprentice leader, I guess if I'm an apprentice leader in this group, I should probably read the Bible, right? <laughs> and and I was like, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's, that's true. And he's, so he's like, how do you do it? And so basically I took this journal again and I said, well, here's how I do it. And I showed him, I, basically what I do is I read it, you know, after I do my RPMs, I read a chapter. I pick out a verse, you know, you know, the, here's the way I do it. And I just yeah. showed him how for sake of brevity. And, um, and so pretty soon he started doing that. And we just, and one of the things we do with all our apprentices, you know, I would meet with him every week um, at, uh, we actually met at Starbucks at four o'clock on Tuesdays. And we, every Tuesday at four o'clock, we would meet and we would talk about the group. We talk about life. We talk about leadership development, all that kind of stuff we were going through. And um, it was probably about, 12, 14, 14 months later, he got to the place where he thought he was ready, actually ready to lead the group himself. And so I turned it over to him and I went and actually started another group. What um, what was fascinating, though, was I think it was two weeks later, I showed up at that Starbucks 
uh, on Tuesday at four o'clock and Doug was there. And he was actually sitting at the same table that, that we were sitting at. You, you said it, but across from him was a guy named Brad mm. who he had asked to become his apprentice. No now, way. I don't remember. I, I'm sure I must have some point in time, but I don't remember ever specifically telling him, saying, hey, you have to have an apprentice leader because he didn't really have you know, a lot of church baggage and he'd only really been exposed to communities culture. He I think he just assumed all churches do it this way. Right. You know what he was what he's what you call un, he was unconsciously competent. Yep. <laughs> I love it. And and what happens when I think when you develop a strong enough culture going back to that where where your actions always match your values, where the things you're doing match what you say is important. What happens, you, you develop a strong enough culture, and as people get into this culture, pretty soon they just get enculturated into it, and all of a sudden things that are abnormal to the outside world become normal inside your church. And so for us at Community, um, yeah, there's some, some leaders who don't have apprentices, but if they don't, they know they should, and they're trying to figure it out because that's the abnormal. The normal is, of course, you have an apprentice. Mm. And you have it all the way through the system. And I and I think that's what I tell church planners, you know, establish your values, make sure your practices match those values, and you draw you 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 create a strong enough culture that brand new people they just get enculturated into it and yeah. pretty soon they just start living it out. It's awesome. Good stuff, man. Well, Dave, we know that uh, we got to let you go. You gotta run. So uh it has been awesome having you on here, man. Honored and uh you know, if um, if people want to track with Dave, yeah. they can go to uh, newthing. Is it newthing.com? Uh, newthing.org is uh, is our church planning network's website. So newthing.org, they can do that. Uh, if they want to follow me on Twitter uh, and see trips to Dunkin' Donuts and Big Apple Beetle, <laughs> um, it's Dave Ferguson. Or they can, they can um, actually get it by my website, daveferguson.org. Um, we're getting ready for a relaunch here pretty soon, but they can still check it out if they want. Awesome, man. Well, you know what? It's, uh, I've loved everything that you've shared. It's been great stuff. And, uh, I want to ask that you send that napkin to me because I will seriously keep that. That, uh, Dave Ferguson made me a napkin. So, you, uh, <laughs> hey, man, you either got to mail it to me or, uh, we're, we're, I'm, I'm going to have to come get it. Come to, come to Chicago and get it. We'll, we'll have, uh, we'll get some Chicago style pizza. Woo. Nice. All right, man. I love Seriously. it. Hey, Dave, thanks for coming on, man. That'd be fun. All right. Well, Dave's going to take off, and Pete and I are going to stick around for a little bit, and we're going to answer some of your questions. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.